There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today we've got a great snowboarding revenge story. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, don't want to tell me what the parking ticket is for? Okay, I'll get that ticket thrown out in court along with jeopardizing any ticket the city wrote on that same form. The ticket. This was mid to late 90s in a northern midwest mid-sized city. Parking near my apartment near a university was only on-street parking. Bad in the best of times. It got miserable in winter with alternate side parking, eliminating half of the parking on major streets, such as where my apartment was. Failing to find any parking, some nights I would risk it. Sometimes I got a ticket. Sometimes not, but at least I typically knew why I got the ticket, until one morning. I was cited for violation number 27. I had no idea what that was all about. It wasn't an alternate side violation, not an expired meter issue, not a loading zone thing. I just didn't know what it was. What did I do wrong? I went by the office to pay the ticket and I asked the clerk, by the way, what is violation number 27? I don't know and I don't want to get ticketed for whatever it is again. Her reply set me off. We don't have to tell you. Uh, excuse me? I took my check out of her hand and picked up my ticket. It was the 90s. I told you it was a long time ago. We used to write out little slips of paper called checks that the recipient could take to the bank and deposit. Half you kids reading Reddit probably never written a check. I'm old. Sue me. Now get off my lawn. I asked her who could tell me. She shrugged. Maybe the prosecutor's office? She replied. I left ticket unpaid. I stopped by the prosecutor's office, ticket in hand to ask. I apologized to the receptionist for such a ridiculous waste of time. I just wanted to know. And she rolled her eyes at me. I got nowhere there. Digging in my heels, doing legal research. For a poor, recent college grad, I certainly wasn't going to waste my money with a lawyer, but was hard-headed enough to want to know what violation number 27 was before I paid it. I resolved to go to a public library and pull out the law books with the city ordinances and state statutes. Library, a physical building with actual printed books where people used to have to go to look up information before everything was online. I'm old, I told you, and stay off my lawn! I settled in, flipped through pages, cross-referenced ordinances and statutes, and found something interesting. Possibly it was very interesting. I checked the court date on the ticket and made up my mind. I would darn well fight City Hall. Court time. I showed up in court. Some paperwork was handed out to those of us who were present. Just before it was my turn, the prosecutor graciously offered to let me pay the ticket, plus court costs, to make this go away. Uh, it's a darn parking ticket. I'm already here. Why bother? After waiting my turn, I stepped before the judge. The judge said a few things. The prosecutor said a few things. And then it was my turn. Your Honor, I move to dismiss the ticket based upon a due process violation on the 14th Amendment. 
I think that prosecutor might have gotten whiplash. Her neck snapped so fast. I told my story. I just want to know what violation number 27 is. I looked. It's not in the law books. Not in the city ordinances. I am being charged with something without being told what it is. And the judge smiled a bit, turned to the prosecutor and said, I've been waiting for someone to bring this up. The prosecutor's jaw dropped. Your Honor, I went on, state statute requires certain elements to be on any citation for it to be valid. Among those things is a citation to statute or ordinance. And there are a couple other issues with the ticket. It doesn't conform to the statutory requirements for a citation. The judge turned to me and asked if I had the ticket. Yes, ma'am, I do. And she asked if I had the paperwork that was handed out when I arrived in court. I did. And then the good judge took a few moments to walk us through that paperwork to show that neither the parking ticket nor the paperwork contained the requisite statutory elements for a citation or summons. Then the judge advised she would take the matter under advisement. The verdict? A few weeks later, I got a big manila envelope in the mail with the judge's order. In clearly written legalese, she went step by step through my argument, the requirements in statute and ordinance, and the utter failure of the city to write a single valid parking ticket on their standard form in many years. Years ago, parking enforcement officers actually took a pen and physically wrote in ink on a three-part pre-printed parking ticket form. Barbaric, I know. They didn't have handheld computers to print them out. This was just a few years after we figured out that banging two rocks can make a spark to start a fire. I told you, I'm old. And what did I tell you about staying off my lawn? She detailed that the city, to allow their parking enforcement officers to write tickets faster, used their own list of violation numbers. Expired meter is number one, no parking zone is number two, that did not correspond to any section numbers of the statute or ordinance. If you didn't have the list, you just might not know. And the judge threw out my parking ticket as a due process violation of the 14th Amendment. Oh, and that violation number 27 was parking too close to a handicapped ramp. I didn't see it under the snow. My bad. Didn't matter, I'd moved out of town by then. Well, I know two things. A greedy, money-grubbing lawyer like Saul Goodman would be all over this class action lawsuit. And two, I gotta stay the heck off OP's lawn. Seriously, I would try to find like a lawyer that might handle something like this and try to get a cut of the profits. Because if every single ticket they've written for years is proved invalid, that's a lot of people and a lot of money that all of a sudden might just have a case on their hands. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is forcing someone to live up to their threatening promise. It was January 2022, a new wave of COVID hit and it devastated the workforce in the major cities here. On average, about half the workforce for any industry was homesick for about a week at the same time. Shelves in supermarkets weren't stocked because there weren't enough workers to keep them full. The number of bus routes were cut in half. The list goes on. At my retail store, all but two of us were sick. With two people on staff, we couldn't get to everything, so we had to decide what parts of the job we'd neglect. Most of our revenue is from online sales, so we decided to close the store and focus on dispatching online orders. 
We still had to answer phone calls and emails though, so we were very stressed. This was only happening in the major cities, of course. More rural locations dodge the major disruptions. One day, I got a call from a customer. He placed an online order the day prior, paid for his express post, but noticed it hadn't been sent. He called, asked why it hadn't been sent. I looked on his account and saw he lived in a rural town hours away. This was the conversation. The customer said, Hi, I placed an order yesterday with express post. Why hasn't it been sent yet? I said, very sorry, there's only two of us on staff because of COVID and we're doing the best we can to keep up with online orders. They said, but I paid for Express. I said, yes, and as I explained, there's only two of us on staff. We've had to close the store and there's a lot of orders to pack and we pack them from oldest to newest. We're trying our best. They said, well, your best isn't good enough. I paid for Express. It should have been sent out by now. My best wasn't good enough? What an absolute piece of crap. At this point, I dealt with enough stress, so I let him have it. I said paying for express doesn't mean we pack the order faster. It means that once the courier has it, they deliver it to you faster. That extra money you spent doesn't go to me or this company. It goes to the courier. There are orders older than yours. They have priority, they've waited longer than you, and will be packed first. They reply, I don't care, you need to ship it today. I said I can't promise that. Do you have any idea what COVID has done to the workforce here? They said, no, and I don't care. If you don't ship my order today, I promise I'll never shop with you again. I genuinely laughed out loud at that. I literally could not care less. It's no skin off my nose. At that point, I hung up. For the entree of my revenge, I purposely skipped his order even though I caught up to it. It got sent the next day. The main course though, that was tasty. I blocked his account so he couldn't shop with us again. He promised he wouldn't, so I wanted to make sure he didn't break his promise. Oh, he tried to though. He made another account. I recognized the name and confirmed it was him through the shipping address. I canceled the order and processed the refund. For revenge's dessert, I did something truly petty. When you process a refund, you reverse the payment made by the debit card. You can put a note in it when you do so, so the customer knows why that money's reappearing in their bank. The note I put was, to help you keep your promise. Yeah, you gotta love every time a customer says, I'm never coming in here again, I'm never shopping here, you're gonna lose my business forever. Almost 99.9% of the time, the reply would be if you didn't want to censor yourself, please never come back, you're doing us a favor. I love hearing the story of somebody making sure they stick to that commitment. Our next story is, not only am I not going to fire him, this is Willie's story. I was lucky enough to be long for the ride. Have you ever worked with someone who you know immediately is really something special? I've had a few opportunities to work with people like this and my first thought is, I want to help this person get wherever it is they're going. I worked for a nonprofit for a while after retiring from the army, first day on the job, One of my peers on the leadership team pulled me aside and warned me about one of the guys on my team. Jane said, You'll have to keep a close eye on Willie. He's low effort, takes a lot of hand-holding, rubs people the wrong way, and honestly, we're considering firing him. I said thanks for the heads up. You never know what you're getting into at new positions, so I appreciate having the info. Freak, what have I walked into? But then I started working closely with Willie and made some discoveries. Sure, Willie was an introvert, 
kept to himself and could be a touch socially awkward, but he knew his job inside and out. He managed my department's logistics requirements precisely. We always had what we needed, but never too much excess static shock on hand. He found innovative ways to work with our community partners. He built new initiatives that capitalized on existing resources without incurring additional costs, a very important skill to have in a nonprofit. He impressed donors so much that he actually convinced them to contribute significant sums in support of his additional duty department. And he wasn't even part of the fundraising team. Willie was a quiet rock star, and I quickly realized how lucky I was to have him. Despite all this, the rest of the regional leadership team seemed to have it in for him. I found out later what it was that set them off. Willie had made an offhand comment to Jane about a year before I joined. Nothing sexist or bad, just a casual observation about a physical aspect of the office space that Jane interpreted poorly. She shared it with other leaders in the org, and they decided that the comment made their teeth itch, and it became a snowball that quickly rolled over Willie's reputation. The comment was relayed to me by a third party a few months after my arrival. I went and talked to Willie about it directly. I wanted to get his take. Our discussion revealed that it was totally innocuous, but misinterpretation has caused a misunderstanding, and the damage was done. Rather than asking questions of Willie to clarify, they assumed a bunch of crap and ran with it. The stage was set, and Willie had realized that he didn't have a future at our location. Leadership had made up their minds about him and were actively blocking his options when they learned about any moves he was trying to make. I knew of at least three instances where they torpedoed his chances for interviews at other nearby locations in the organization, tripping him before he even got out of the gate. Willie knew if he was going to advance, it was going to be somewhere else. He started looking for new work, and he eventually found something at another branch of our organization in a different state. He kept it very quiet, got the interview, and the other region was assessing the different candidates. The only other person in our region who knew about it was me, and that was only because I'd spent months gaining Willie's trust. He knew he could confide in me and I wouldn't crap on him. Around that time, Jane hit me up again about Willie. Jane said, I'm amazed by the changes in Willie since he came on board. You've really done a lot to mentor him and get him up to his full potential. I said I have done a lot of work where Willie is concerned. Some of it was helping him with professional development, but most of it's been focusing on shifting the leadership team's perspective. He's really not that different from when I arrived, but as you just indicated, your perception of him has definitely changed. I've put a lot of effort into just letting him shine, giving him credit for the good things he does and staying out of his way. He didn't need micromanagement, he needed room to run. Every time he achieved something, I made a point of highlighting his success and the benefit it brought to our organization. The work I did wasn't on him, it was on you. Jane went silent. Back to Willie, I asked if he wanted me to go to bat for him in the hiring process with the other region. He said he'd appreciate the help, so I called the manager at the other location and told her, I don't want to lose Willie, but all the reasons why I want him to stay here are the same reasons why you need him there. The problem is, if Willie stays here, the organization is going to lose him because they won't promote him. I'd rather have him stay with the organization in a different place than lose his commitment and skills entirely. She hired him. Of course, it was all him. Skills, experience, interview, she knew she was getting someone amazing. 
My recommendation was just icing on the cake, made it easier for her to decide what she already knew. Willie's taste of sweet, sweet revenge came when the leadership team had to eat crow as they congratulated him on his move. Willie knew this team of leaders had put a Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot of effort into making sure he'd never advance. Some of their congratulations were less than genuine, including James. The cherry on top was that the pay and position at the new job was a half step up above mine and the rest of the leadership team. That's right, he moved on, he moved up, and he outranked us all. A most excellent freak you to the folks who had stood in his way. I can't think of too many more power moves stronger than, yeah, by the way, I'm still in the same company, but I moved up and I outrank you. Every time you go to cash your paycheck, just think about how the guy you tried to hold down is making more than you now. That's tough. Our next story is Fireman's Revenge. It's a friend's story. I worked with a guy who was studying to be a fireman, and he works part-time at a county fire department. One hot Saturday, Tucson hot, they got a call about a field that was burning. They responded and it bordered a neighborhood's backyards. The field was covered in fertilizer and one of the locals had set it on fire. When the truck got there, they were greeted with hoots and hollers about what a crappy job they had, har har har. All the neighbors were lined up at the edge of the field laughing at them. The fire was pretty small and the firemen could have easily put it out with shovels and rakes and a little water, so they were surprised when the captain said to get the hoses out. That meant they would have to clean all that up when they got back and nobody wanted to do that. They set it all up and pointed the hose at the field directly in front of all the neighbors and let it fly. It showered them with water and fertilizer just like the captain wanted. The police were called and from what I understand, had a very hard time not cracking up as they took the complaint. Complain all you want, burnt poop covered people, but they were just doing their job. This next story is petty neighbors fight over public parking. When I was younger, we lived in a suburban neighborhood on a narrow street with single family homes. Each home had a driveway and there was additional public parking on the street, leaving only one lane for driving. There was a public parking spot along our hedge that we usually used for our second car. 
Across from us lived an elderly man, Bob, a former business owner and stereotypical grumpy retiree who micromanaged his son, the new owner of the sound equipment sales business. Bob's driveway was directly across from our hedge. Bob frequently complained that parking our car along our hedge made it difficult for him to exit his driveway. This was BS as you'll see in a second. He started sending dozens of letters reprimanding us, then he called the police and the local authorities to try to get us out of the parking spot. Since we were parked legally and he could exit his driveway, they couldn't do anything. Soon, an unknown car would regularly appear in that spot, whenever my parents left for work. Initially just for a day or two, then a week, then a month at a time. My parents found out Bob had somehow gotten himself a second car just to park it in that spot and keep us out of it. Suddenly, leaving his driveway with a car in that space wasn't a problem. So my parents started retaliating, initially just stealing the spot back whenever possible, then by calling authorities on any issues with his fence and hedges. His hedge was too messy or too tall for local laws, his hedge was growing around a traffic sign, they even moved a temporary parking ban sign from the construction site two doors down to include the parking space just to steal it back. Then a different car appeared and stayed for four months. After four months, my parents had to cut the hedge to keep it neat and in line with local laws, but the car made cutting the hedge impossible. My parents left a note threatening to cut the hedge with their electric hedge cutting tool anyway and Bob better move the car if he didn't want it damaged. Bob called the bluff. My parents then discovered that the car belonged to Bob's son's business. Bob had been borrowing company cars to block the parking spot, so my parents called the son to try to reason with him. The son, however, refused to move the car as well, so my parents called the tax authorities. Turns out you can't declare tax write-offs for company cars if those cars are being used mostly for private purposes, like a petty neighbor fight of the owner's father. The car disappeared within a week. We cut our hedge and claimed back a parking spot we never owned. I'm not sure who acted more entitled in this story, probably my parents, but I'm pretty sure at some point they just did it for the lulls. I think the amount of petty going on from both sides here kind of cancels each other out. Very clearly a game had been established and both people were just trying to outplay the other. This was just a different form of chess game that they were playing. Our next story is, try to ruin my marriage? I'll get you fired. This all happened within the span of about three months. It all started towards the end of December. This girl at work decided to post and text my husband that I was cheating on him with her baby daddy. Obviously it wasn't true, but she claimed to have pictures. She sent it to his brothers and even my mother-in-law. None of the pictures were of me and they had no face or any distinguishing features that would make it obvious it was me. All of this made my husband doubt me because if someone sends stuff like that, you question if it's true or not. This caused a lot of trouble in our marriage, but we talked it out and eventually worked through it. I mentioned she had sent messages to my mother-in-law. She sent them all at the same time, but I wasn't aware of the messages to my mother-in-law. It wasn't until almost a month later that my sister-in-law messaged me and said she wanted to ask me something. She was afraid I would be mad, but she said someone had sent my mother-in-law some nasty messages about me. I immediately knew what she was talking about and asked if it was a certain person. She confirmed that it was, so I explained everything that was happening. 
I was going to let it go, but when I found out that she'd also messaged mother-in-law, I just got more angry and decided she needed to face some consequences. It's important to note she also posted some nasty stuff about another co-worker I'm friends with, so I talked to her and we decided I should report it to HR. They did a full investigation in which I gave them screenshots of what she posted and what she sent my husband's family. Some of the things sent were very inappropriate and not something HR would like to be associated with the organization. Fast forward to now, they finally concluded the investigation and found what she did inappropriate and she was fired. I don't feel any remorse for her and I'm glad she got what she deserved because what she did almost cost me my marriage and mine and my friend's reputation at work. What makes me most happy is that because she was fired over something she did, she won't be able to receive unemployment benefits. Good luck taking care of her family now. Definitely can't feel bad for somebody who's trying to be a homewrecker for literally no reason at all. Apparently OP said that it wasn't just them that this person targeted, apparently they tried to mess other people's lives up too. How sick can you be to just try to falsely ruin marriages like that? This next story is, sure, call the landowner. So when I was 13, I was really into snowboarding, so every chance I got, I was out doing that in the winter, though in recent years I could do so in July. There was one huge hill that was open to anyone, everyone, all year long, so long as they didn't cut trees or wreck the place. This hill was located on a plot of land in the woods that, a few months prior to this event, had gone from being for sale to bought by my uncles to keep it from being bulldozed. Nobody really knew these men were my uncles because we all have different last names and my dad's family is huge. That comes up again later. One of the parents said that myself, slash anybody who wasn't a baby in a sled, had no right to be there as we were too big and violent to be using that hill and generally let the kids steal or otherwise damage the boards or skis or do things to drive everyone else away. I largely didn't care because when I went there, I just used my cheap $10 board that was built about as well as a plastic sled, so I didn't have to carry my bigger, better one across town. That, as you can imagine, pissed these Karens off more. I never really understood why they were so butthurt over it. They could take their kids sledding anywhere and there were even public roads that were shut down in winter because they were too dangerous to drive on that people used all the time as sled spots that were also much closer to home and safer because no tree line to collide with, fallen logs, or chances of coyotes deciding their kids were snacks. After about a week of them constantly nagging and witching, I finally said, look, you can sled anywhere you want. Me? Because some jerks decided to wreck property and trespass. I cannot even snowboard on my own property because the neighbors complained that I might break their fence. So unless I want to pay hundreds of dollars to go to some fancy resort, this is the only place I can snowboard. On a plot of land half a mile wide, I'm fairly freaking certain we can all enjoy it. I didn't wait for a response, I just went down the hill, swerving to avoid all the kids who think laying down in the middle of a place everyone is skiing, snowboarding, or sledding is a good idea, and thought that would be it. But as you can guess, I was wrong. I was never the best at stopping, so I stopped when I hit the trees, thankful that they were still rather bendy. 
Over the sounds of laughter and snow being shredded, I heard the Karen screaming and turned to see her at the top of the hill, pointing at me and calling me every name in the book. Apparently, she called her husband, who confirmed they lived nearby, and said that one, I threatened her, two, I had called her everything in the book, and three, I was a grown adult. At 13, I was maybe three foot nine and looked like I was 10. Her husband had to fight laughter when he saw me stomping back up the hill wearing a hot pink Barbie snowsuit and carrying a cheap Monster Energy black with electric green board under my arm. He asked what I said. I repeated it and admitted I knew cursing was wrong but expressing how annoyed I was. He tried to calm his wife but she screamed more and said, I'm calling the landowners. I smiled like the Cheshire cat and told her, Go right ahead, I'll speak to them too. So she did and she launched into a huge rant, very animated with lots of flailing and hopping, similar to an angry hen. Finally, when she starts losing steam, I can hear one of my uncles saying, I'll be right there, sit tight. That crappy smile that spread across her face when she heard that, she sneered at me and said, I'm going to get you in so much trouble. Her husband had gathered the kids and told them to wait in the truck by then. He looked like he wanted to crawl into a hole and die of embarrassment. After about 15 minutes, a truck pulled up and out hopped my uncles. They came over and spoke to the woman. I could tell they didn't 100% believe her, but because this was their land, if anything happened, they'd be on the hook for it. She got loud again and demanded I be banned for life and all that. They looked around and asked her to point to the dangerous and disrespectful woman. As clearly, I was the only one snowboarding that day. She huffed and grabbed me, giving me a shake as she shouted, This witch here! Despite it being the middle of January, I swear I heard crickets as the wheels in their heads turned. Knowing these men and how much like their own kid they saw me, it was mostly to keep from yeeting this woman into the sun. Finally, one of them spoke. You mean our niece? Karen sputtered and tried to come up with some sort of response, but failed miserably. My uncles then gave her the choice. Leave now and come back in a couple of days. They'd drive by to make sure she stayed away. Or continue acting how she was, and they'd press charges on her to have her banned and charged with assault for grabbing me, as well as being on the hook for any damages her kids caused to anybody's gear. Apparently they'd been getting calls, but nobody knew her name, so the cops couldn't do anything. She huffed and stormed off, her husband following and looking like a beat dog. She never did come back. There is nothing more satisfying than getting called out in a situation where you know whoever is going to come around from behind that counter, or in this case, roll down the hill, are going to unequivocally have your back. This is like the equivalent of you walking into a store and just grabbing a candy bar off the shelf and ripping it right open, getting called out for it and saying to them, yeah well my dad owns the store. It's such a mic drop bombshell revelation, love it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 